Welcome to Crash the Pond Podcast. It is a Monday, July 10th, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time edition of the pod. And I'm hyped up for I don't know why. Yeah, I was going to say why. I've been low energy pretty much all <laughs> afternoon, and all of a sudden it just rushed back into me. This wow. pod just, just brings the best out of me. You know, wow. I'm, te- I'm team first. Wow. Play for the name on the back, not the front. Oh, wait. Wow. <laughs> Other, way <laughs> Other way around. Other way around. Well. Playing for Sakaar, not crash the pond. I just made a fool of myself. That's you okay. You did. You did. That's okay. Get it yeah. out of the way early. Take yeah. the early L. Yeah. Well, Jake, how are you? I'm good. Uh, you mentioned right when we hopped in here that I'm wearing a cutoff shirt, and I guess that means I'm going to a monster truck rally in your world? I don't know. I was trying to think of something else besides a gym bro joke, and I just, I don't know. I dug deep. This is my, this is my, I'm either working out, I'm lazy, and just throw on a shirt, or I'm going to the beach shirt. Yeah, you, you, you're, so for those who can't see, for those who aren't either watching live or watching on YouTube. I'll stand up and model it, why not? I don't think anyone wants that, but, okay. Okay, Jake is wearing a cutoff t-shirt with some serious side, side chest going on, and a corduroy hat. And yeah. I just don't know if, if anyone needed that that little spin around. I just I don't know. You brought the spawn yourself. But I'm glad it happened. Okay. I'm glad it happened. But yeah, I just think that your your styles right now are, are kind of confused between the between two worlds of Are they? It's a mammoth mountain corduroy hat. Of Jimbro and and hipster. So anyway. All that to say that I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. I'm glad you're enjoying your, your summertime and and really embracing the vibes. That's important. Yeah, it's summertime. Sun's yeah. out, guns out. Yeah, and I think that this week will be a nice... You know, we're going to take a breath this week, to quote one great Pat Verbeek. This is going to be a fun one. We're just going to have a good time here. We're just going to have a, a little bit of shooting the shit. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to let our hair down. We're going to take a breath, insert whatever other Pat Verbeek uh, cliche he used on his free agency day presser. But... Really, there's not a whole lot of substantial news to get into over the last week. No. But, so this is going to be a change of pace because the last two podcasts, I think, have been draft and then free agency. And I don't, I don't think we're going to top, we're, going to, we're not going to top those uh, no. podcasts in terms of viewership, no. listenership, and that's okay. The, the folks who are listening today are the real ones. So we appreciate you guys. Yep. yep. We appreciate everybody. But I think the biggest piece of news over the last week is the fact that Troy Terry has filed for arbitration and maybe a little bit of a surprise move. You know, we we actually talked about this already on a bonus podcast on our Patreon page. So patrons have already gotten our take on that. But what's your take on Troy Terry electing for salary arbitration? I'd push back on it being a surprise move. I don't think it's a surprise at all. I mean, I I just anytime someone hears the word arbitration, they kind of get this weird queasy feeling. Whether or not it's a surprise, it's just more so that maybe the stigma that's associated with it, rightly yeah. or wrongly. I mean, I, I think that this was expected, in my opinion. Like, if they did not have a contract figured out by this point in time, arbitration is where this was going to go. He's arbitration eligible. He should take it. It's with well within his rights. And for those that don't know, the way that it works is that um, any player that has hit, hit a certain amount of time in the NHL, as an RFA, they are arbitration eligible. Not every RFA, but certain ones are. So Zegris, for instance, is not arbitration eligible this season. And what it does, it allows them to go to a neutral arbitrator 
um, to be able to figure out and award a contract. The player's agent and sometimes player and the GM basically go back and forth making their case why this player should be making this amount. The arbitrator eventually settles, gives out a value for what the contract will be, and then the party that was not the person that uh, started the arbitration or elected for it, in this case the Ducks, gets to pick whether it's a one- or two-year term. Yep. And so all that's to say is I think August 2nd is the date it was set for today. If the Ducks do not settle on a new contract to Troy Terry by August 2nd, then it will go to arbitration, and they cannot actually negotiate anymore during arbitration. Once arbitration begins, that's it, and it will be a one, most likely a one-year deal because there's no way the Ducks would go with a two-year deal walking Terry to unrestricted free agency. So that all sounds like scary. And so I get why some people who may not kind of pay attention too much to it might be the, the alarms might be raised from that. You should have empathy, but the, this is kind of standard procedure for guys at this level. They're arbitration eligible. They're going to elect for it. It's well within their rights. It's their CBA negotiated rights to be able to do this. And it's the only leverage that they really have. And so now that that date's been set, what is it? Deadlines make diamonds. Is that the the phrase that people do? Sure. Now there's sure. a deadline that the Ducks have to work to to get a contract done. And I would imagine that Pat Verbeek, he's mentioned it, I think with Sonny Milano last summer, was that he knew what what number the arbitration would end up at, and he just was not comfortable with Sonny Milano at that number. And so he thought it was better to just not offer a QO, let him walk, than end up with him at that that qualifying or at that arbitration number. We could argue about whether that was a wise decision or not. It, it that's a whole that it's a it whole wasn't. different conversation. I agree with that completely. That it's not, but that's all to say that they know what number the arbitration is going to end up at. There, like, there's no way that they don't go into this understanding what the case is going to be. We have hell. We have evolving hockey's uh, projection model. I guarantee there's something similar, and that would go to the arbit or like that would uh, they could use that to figure out where the arbitration would end up at. And so. Yeah. Probably what they're haggling over is term and figuring out where the term is going to be at on this deal. Well, here's my question to you. Yeah. Where do you think... So you think that the disconnect is, is term. Do you think... Yes. Do you think it's Terry wanting more term and the Ducks wanting less? Or, or what? What? how is the scale oriented here? I think the Ducks want to give him four to five... I think they probably want to give him what Dabrinkit got, which okay. was what? Was it four, four years? Four times 7.8. Yeah. I think they'd probably want to give him four or five years. I think they'd want to give him a deal that walks him until he's 29 or 30. They're getting his prime age years. And then what that does for this team is that if they want to walk away from Terry at that point in time, because now they're having Leo Carlson on bigger deals, Zegris is going to be on his big deal. McTavish is going to like, there's, there's there, a lot of players that are, going there's to a lot of players that will be coming up around that time. And so that allows them to free up cap space. If they just need to walk away from Terry at that point in time, I think Terry probably wants either a one year bridge so that either he this can be the the pre-agency next summer where he says can kind of really pick where he wants to go yeah if he truly wants out or he wants long term yeah so i think that is that is an interesting or an important thing to raise is that terry has two more seasons until he's an unrestricted free agent yeah so that does loom large over all of this because he is buying up ufa years if troy terry just takes a two-year deal and rides into free agency, unrestricted free agency in two years, he's he's potentially going to get a much bigger payday at that point. We don't know. It's not it's not guaranteed. But the way that UFAs go, I mean, 
it seems like nowadays a player of Troy Terry's ilk almost doesn't make it to UFA because they, they get signed to these bigger deals as RFAs before it ever gets to that point. So I think I would agree that the disconnect is over the term. I mean, it could be about anything. We don't really know, but I think that it would make sense for Terry to want the maximum term possible. Yeah. And for the ducks to want less. Let me ask you this. Do you think that this will get to the actual hearing date? Do you think that those two, do you think the two sides will walk into that room and, and forego any possibility of settling? No. I don't think it hits the arbitration date. I, I think that this is settled well before that. I think it's I, too important to, to yeah. get to that point. And I think that, tr- and I honestly think that, I mean, this could be totally incorrect, but I, I just have a hard time imagining that the Ducks don't value Troy Terry enough to basically hardball all the way to an arbitration hearing, which, which, by the way, doesn't necessarily benefit them that much. Like, I don't think going to that date benefits them because no. then it's two years and then you well, potentially lose him or sorry I mean, one that, year at the end of the day like that's probably yeah. what terry wants terry probably wants a one-year deal if it gets to that point because yeah. like i said i think he either wants a one-year deal so we're, we've seen it now right you saw it with matthew kachuk last summer mm-hmm. you saw it with alex to this summer of guys are one year before unrestricted free agencies and teams don't want to lose that for nothing and aren't willing to ride that out and so as a result of that they are essentially able to pick where they're going before they become UFAs. Yeah. And so for Terry, that that's the risk you run. And so no matter what, if this goes to arbitration, that's potentially where they're going to be at next summer. Mm-hmm. And so I just don't view that as being an option. I think that the, maybe the Ducks are staunch at four to five years and Terry wants eight, and maybe they end up meeting in the middle at a six or seven year deal. And that's where this ends up with the negotiation. And now that there's a deadline, which the deadline's important in this because that's how this deal is going to get done. Because if not, you end up with a Zegra situation where there's no deadline. There's no real leverage on Zegra's side outside of an offer sheet, which we know is not going to happen. Holding out like, yeah, holding out's really the only leverage that Zegra's has. Yeah. And and so of course he's going to take this and try to get what he wants. And as he should, like Ter- Troy Terry should get ev- all the sense that he can out of this deal. Correct. And, and and so I think that I just don't think it makes sense for the Ducks to, to get this to that point. Because if it's a one-year deal, like you've alluded to with the pre-agency, this is a situation we've seen play out. I mean, hell, we saw it play out in Ottawa just now. We yeah. saw it play out with the Calgary Flames and Matthew Kachuk. We saw it play out with the Sharks and Timo Meyer, And it's just not a comfortable position to be in because then – all of a sudden, it hangs over the team the entire year. Troy Terry, I mean, you just don't you just don't know which way it's going to go. And again, I think that Troy Terry is very good. I think I just suspect that the Ducks do value him. I think he is a he is a big piece of this core. I think for the Ducks to really be able to hit their stride over the next few years, Troy Terry is a perfect addition into that. And so you don't want to go crazy and sign a contract that doesn't make sense, but. I, I maybe I'm just being overly optimistic, but I just have a feeling that this isn't yeah. going to go down that path. Like for people that are saying like, well, none of the other players are that great on the arbitration list. And it's like Vince Dunn was one of the best defensemen in the league this year. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's on the arbitration list. So it's not as if this is just all scrubs. There are good players yeah. that are filing for arbitration. I mean, and did so, Brandon Montour go to arbitration with the yep, ducks? Yep. Yeah. And so. they, that was actually before the new memorandum of understanding where, you could negotiate during arbitration and sign contracts before yeah. it went to the arbitrator. Yeah. 
So, so very interesting, but yes. I think ultimately more of a negotiation tactic yeah. by T- Troy Terry and his agent yeah. than, than actually getting to that point. I think if we hit like the end of this month and a contract's still not uh, agreed to, then I think it's cause for a little bit of concern. Well, yeah, because then at that point you have four days. So Wasn't it August I, 2nd? Or two days, sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, I could see it going until the very last second. I wouldn't be surprised if it... Because really there's no benefit if it's two days before that or not. Like, as long I mean, as it's the, just getting it done. It's just getting it done. And so I, I don't really have a prediction or thought there. I just think that I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to the last second or if it's done, like, within a week. I, yeah. I just... I think that this was this is their only bit of leverage, so why not take it? Yep, agreed. Do you think that? I mean, a, a sort of a different question, but do you mm-hmm. view Troy Terry as part of the Ducks' core? However, you want to define core. It's a good question. Um, Hesitation. Uh oh. It's Ruh-oh. mainly an age, well, it's an age thing, right? Uh-huh. And so the fact that he's twenty five, going to be twenty six. Um, yeah, I think he's within the core. I think he's in the upper end of that core and potentially replaceable within that because of that. But I think he's within that core. There's a notion that we were discussing in our discord yesterday that do the ducks even truly have a core? Yes. Oh, yes. So who who is the ducks core? The ducks core is, I mean, it's for sure. Terry Zegris. Well, now I'm yeah. Terry Zegris, uh, McTavish, uh Carlson Drysdale. Drysdale. Yes, I think okay. Drysdale is within that core. So, do you do you classify core as guys who are untouchable? No. Okay. No. So so what is a core then? I think a core is the the main group of players that are currently on your team that are being built around. Yeah. And that can that can get larger also. Yeah. But as of right now, that is those are the players that I would consider the core. I think you could maybe throw a Minchukov in there. Zellweger. You, you can maybe throw a Zellweger in there if you want. I think right now it's still a little bit unproven on their parts. I think maybe the only reason why I have Leo Carlson there is just with the profile that he's, well, he's coming in. He's a second at. overall it's, pick. It's a different level there. Yeah. That I think he has to be in there. Granted, Minchukov, 10th overall. Like, nothing to scoff at there. Yeah. And I mean, but even, different even level Mason of McTavish, prospect. top five yeah. pick. So. I mean, I had Mason McTavish there. Yeah. Well, yeah, but so I think that the Ducks' core is at a minimum, Zegris, McTavish, and Carlson. The, yeah. You're, you're kind of big three yep. forward, young forwards, and you can quibble with where Terry slots into that. Yep. I, per, I personally think he's a part of that because really his next five years are going to be like he's going to be in his prime. He's going to be yep. at his very best. And I think that the Ducks probably want to – kind of section off the contract to be just those years, but it, yep. that's probably not what he wants. But I think he is a part of that core. And then after that, I think it's an open question. I'm not necessarily convinced Jamie Drysdale is in there quite yet because I just okay. don't I don't know how much he's really shown Fair. To, Fair. to to warrant that. And he also just didn't play last year. So I feel like it's more so for me just almost a reputation thing, but that's fair. Yeah. I just think of the guys who have actually shown something it's Terry McTavish Segris. I mean, some will even debate how much McTavish has truly shown, but I think he had a good rookie year mm-hmm. given that he was on one of the worst teams ever. And then Leo Carlson is a second overall pick who could have been a first overall pick in a lot of drafts. So I just think you have to 
you have to throw them in there. And then after that, it really is a bit of a bit of a grab bag. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so the only other thing that really happened this week, because we have a lot of questions, I think. So we'll start getting to those in a bit. But the only other thing was the uh, development camp was this past week. And it ended with a scrimmage on Friday. I was not able to really watch any of it. But I think some of the takeaways I saw from some people is uh, Yegor Sidorov was really having a blast out there, having a good time. Um, Pavel Minchukov was fantastic going in both ways, getting back defensively and going offensively. But I I think the one kind of big takeaway I have from this overall is that this is a three-on-three. You're talking about the scrimmage. The scrimmage. A three-on-three scrimmage that isn't where the actual game is played. And so there was a lot of talk about kind of some Carlson stuff about maybe him looking behind uh, the play or things like that. And it's, it doesn't matter, honestly, to me, because it's three-on-three hockey, it's a scrimmage, it's development camp. A lot of that was very overblown. If it comes time and training camp happens and he's playing in a preseason game and that ha- and that's there, maybe that's a little bit more of a cause for concern, right? But even then, like... But even as then, we, he, he's not really like a, a finished product. He's not a shoo-in to be in the NHL next year. So... Well, he struggles a bit that's okay that's part of it yeah exactly and so it's it's there's development to his game that was still needed and yeah. whether that happens in the nhl ahl shl chl wherever it ends up happening that's still needed yeah i i didn't really even want to talk about this at all but the because i wrote a leo carlson article so i got a lot of responses over the weekend that were like oh well he looked lazy and unmotivated or lacked energy in the 3v3 scrimmage on Friday. I'm definitely forcing you to enter a conversation you didn't want to. I saw multiple responses about that, and I'm thinking, okay, if multiple people are thinking this and multiple people are seeing this, and this is all based off of Twitter, of course, then maybe there is a little something to that. And so our good buddies at uh, Late Arrivals podcast had Chris Peters on yesterday. Shout out to them who we've had on who we had on last season so he's a friend of the pod and they kind of brought this for, forward to him this this kind of dumb pushback on Carlson because of development camp and I think his response to development camp and putting any stock in it was perfect which is that you know development camp is more about getting all the guys on the ice together with the the team's coaches development coaches getting them kind of comfortable with with the area with just getting to know each other the organization you know, getting, it's almost like a photo op in some ways, like just, it's more about getting the guys comfortable and just seeing where they're at in certain key metrics with some of the on ice testing than it is about really anything else. I mean, a lot of the guys aren't even wearing their own gear. Like Leo Carlson talked about that. Yeah. And and I think Chris brought up, I forget which prospect it was yesterday, but he said like one guy just, just had his own, just had his own skates. Everything else was brand new. And so, like, this is just not a comfortable situation for anyone. I mean, if you think about Leo Carlson's last few weeks, you know, yeah. flying, flying over from Sweden, the crazy journey that they had to take, just to, him and his family had to take just to get to Nashville with all the weather issues for flying into there. And then you're out here in Anaheim. Like, I just can't imagine that he's really, that anyone, like, not even just him, is at 100%, like, yeah. just energy-wise. And so, is that excuse-making? Even if it is, I just... this development camp doesn't matter for these kind of big takeaways like like i said it's not really no no meant one's to be anything ever more. no one's ever looked back and been like 
oh, that development camp last year. I remember that. I remember that was when this guy became a star. No. Yeah. Like, that's just not how it is. And it also just doesn't help that this was a three-on-three scrimmage, like not even real yeah. hockey. You know, it's a it's a skills competition at the end of the day. So I just let's, – let's say that he had shown out, and let's say that he had really gone off. I wouldn't be starting to go on a parade and telling everyone that Leo Carlson's going to make yeah. it to the Hall of Fame or something. Like, it, it's just – it's one very small data point. The case for his – potential was made over the last two three years and i just don't think anyone should be writing this guy off or really getting concerned because he looked a little tired on in a 3v3 scrimmage at the end of a hard week yeah at the end of a hard like two and a half weeks so yep. exactly move on um the only other takeaway i think i had from this was uh Duckstream put out a podcast and they had matt McElvain on and it was a really good listen mm-hmm. and really fascinating to listen to him talk um, first off, just kind of overall systems, things like that, what he was de- uh, seeing uh, so far in development camp, things like that. The other thing that I th- think is worth bringing up and worth mentioning is way back when we talked about hiring Matt McElvain, right? We had mentioned that I would that we would think that whoever the Ducks hired as a head coach would uh, would mesh with Matt McElvain, right? Have similar uh, similar views on hockey, similar views on everything, things like that. And so Matt actually brought up the point in the the interview that Greg Cronin, uh, there was like a, um, some sort of agreement with the Islanders when Cronin was still there. And in, I can't remember if it was the team that Mac McElveen was the coach of in Austria or when he was an assistant coach in Germany, I think assistant coach Germany, that there was almost a mutual agreement where they would send some people over during the Islanders training camp to observe and help and watch and things like that. And then Greg Cronin would go back to Germany for three weeks for their training camp. And they did that for about three years. And so him and McElveen ended up having a pretty good uh, rapport together and talked a lot about hockey and things like that. And he's like, we have very similar views on the game. and It's really going to work well together. Sure, we're going to have different tactics in terms of how we specifically approach players, our specific ways of coaching, but the overall concepts are going to be the same. And that's exactly what you want to hear. Yeah, I think that is interesting because you could ask yourself, you know, why does that matter? I mean, these are two teams playing in two different leagues with with different goals. I think that what that shows, and if that was a factor in the hiring at all for Greg Cronin, is just that the Ducks are taking a very, potentially are taking a very holistic approach to the next couple of years where they're trying to really, and I think that this is a very, you know, admirable goal, which is I think that the Ducks, if we're going to put stock into all that, which, you know, you you can or you, you might not, we don't know, but... I think the Ducks are trying to build an actual culture to borrow like a football term, like build a program. Because if you look at the last, I don't know, three, four years, it's been really disjointed. You've had a a revolving door of coaches down in San Diego. You've had a team at the NHL level where development hasn't really gone that great, where development hasn't always been prioritized. There's been a lot of losing. And so I think that it's really important to start building something. And this is going to come up later, but I think that's maybe part of the reason, at least, why the Ducks aren't taking these flyers on kind of one-year reclamation project type guys. Mm -hmm. Because I think that they, again, this is just my own interpretation, but I think that they really want to build something from the ground up and really kind of pivot this thing forward. And and Greg Cronin and Matt McElvain seem like exactly those types of, of guys and they have that that 
pre-existing relationship. So I think that's very interesting, but I think it's also very important just given how, uh, I don't want to say how much of a waste the last few years have been, but just how kind of disjointed and fruitless they've been. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it on that. Uh, what else do you want to touch on before we get to questions? Huh. Well, I guess that, the, you know, the other thing that people are going to be wondering about is Trevor Zegers and Jamie Drysdale. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, one thing I did want to talk about, just because it it is somewhat related to the Ducks, is that Alex Dobrynkat got traded to the Detroit Red Wings, and the Ducks were rumored to be interested in him. You know, we don't know yep. how, how hard they pursued him, but... What do you make of just that trade, that that outcome, and also the fact that the Ducks whiffed on a on a big time trade target? Eh, I don't know if I would call it whiffed necessarily. We talked about uh, Alex Brinkett and his fit on the Ducks and things like that in last week's episode, but I I think what I ended up taking away from the trade today was that with that being the return, it must have been a situation where Alex Brinkett said, "Okay, I've considered all of these options, but Detroit's really the only place I want to go." Yeah. And it's the only place that I'll sign an extension in. And so with that being the case, that was the best return that they could get with Steve Eiserman holding those cards. And Eiserman waited them out, supposedly said the deal that they were trying to get done at the draft was too rich for his blood and waited until now and got a much cheaper deal and signed to bring it to a very manageable four year. What was it? Four year term, right? Yeah. Four years, 7.9 or something around those that mark. And so, I don't know if I consider it a whiff necessarily for the Ducks because Alex Rickett's from Michigan. It seems like he just wanted to go close to home. And so I don't know. It sounds like the Ducks had become a consideration for him, but it seems like even with all of that, the only spot he really wanted to go was back was back home and be close to home. Yeah, and also, I mean, if you think about it, who, who did the information – like? who benefits from that information being out there that the ducks are interested in that, you know, maybe his mind has come around to the ducks roster. Like that almost sounds like that was something that was floated out there as potentially true, but that would be something that would help the senators in some kind of back and forth negotiation, because you need, like if you're the Sens, you're trying to avoid being backed up into a corner and basically only having one team to negotiate with. And so that information definitely I mean, only really benefited the, the Senators in that situation. So we don't even really know how real it was between the, the Ducks and DeBrinkat. I mean, would it have been nice for the Ducks to have Alex DeBrinkat on their roster at four years, 7.8 yep. million? Sure, it would have been a very important addition. I mean, he's he's really just a, an outstanding offensive player. I don't know if he's necessarily a Pat Verbeek guy at 5.7, but he's definitely a guy who would have made them better in the short and medium term. But I just, I don't really view it as, I don't view it as a whiff either, but I think that the more that the ducks get rumored to be in on things and that they don't materialize, the more this kind of like sleepy pat uh, narrative grows. But I just like, like what you said, I just think that at the end of the day, Alex DeBrinkett wanted to go yeah. play where he's from and that's pretty much it. All there's to it. Yep. And the other news was, uh, that maybe could have influenced the Ducks was uh, Philip Zadina. Zadina signed with the San Jose Sharks yep. one and year. It's a, and it's a similar similar analysis there. I mean, I think that Philip Zadina, like, I think what he's trying to do on a one-year deal, and maybe it's also all he could get, but I think he's trying to revive his career. He's trying to set himself up for his next contract. 
And if you compare the two teams' rosters up front, I think that in San Jose, there's just more possibilities. There's less guys who are really entrenched up front who have these big reputations. Whereas with Anaheim, I mean, you just you look at that forward group, and it's just hard to see where Philip Zadina really gets a shot. So maybe it is a whiff by Pavrbeek. Maybe he was pursuing him, although we don't. We have literally zero information about that. Yeah. Or it could just be that Philip Zadina just wanted to go play for for the Sharks. That that was just the best fit for him. And I would actually agree with that. I think that the Sharks make more sense for him than the Ducks did. Yeah, and I also think with Philip Zadina, it could be a situation where Pavrbeek didn't like the player like you have to remember Pav Verbeek was part of the Detroit Red Wings organization he was not part of the group that actually drafted Zadina though um he was part of the group that came or Iserman came in I think a year after that and so but he has upfront knowledge and so yeah. if he I mean that probably influenced it whether that's right or wrong that would have influenced his opinion on the player and whether he would have wanted to sign him yeah and and also I mean I don't want to any of this to come across as like we're making excuses for Pavarbeek or anything like that. I mean, I think that there is a very fair criticism of Pavarbeek in that there's been a lot of opportunities to take chances on guys. And, and if you hit on that chance, hit on that swing, then you have a guy who can become an important piece of your roster. Mm-hmm. Take these kind of upside bets, like with the Phillips Zadina, we've seen other examples before. And he's just never, ever taken them. Now, that doesn't mean that he hasn't tried. That doesn't mean he wasn't close. Like, we, we don't really know anything beyond that. But I think it is fair to be somewhat frustrated because when you think about the way Pavarbeek is building this roster so far, it's very slow and steady. He's not being very aggressive. He's not really taking a lot of bets. He's not ma- making a lot of bets. Really, I think John Klingberg is the only one that comes to mind. And that was like an established NHL name. So I think you can definitely quibble and be frustrated with how Pat Verbeek is building this thing out. But that doesn't necessarily mean that how he's building it is wrong either. It's just like a different approach than the alternative, which is like take like almost like what the Canadians are doing, which is they've, they've done a lot of this trying to bet on a guy who didn't fit somewhere else and mm-hmm. trying to revive him basically. Yep. Yep. I completely agreed. All right. Let's, uh, uh, anything else? Uh, let's see here. Because if not, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, because Felix, first impressions matter. There are no two ways around it. What's the first thing that someone notices about you? In most cases, it's your face, and more importantly, your skin. If you aren't already, it's time to put your best face forward. Uh, how do you do that? By adding a skincare routine. And you know what? It's not hard. You just don't have the right tools until now. Clinically proven to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging, Caldera Lab is the leader in men's skincare and is here to save the day. Use our exclusive code CTP at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their best products. Uh, Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. The skincare is heavily fe- uh, skincare world is heavily female-driven and has long been the wild, wild west for men. Whether men can't find the right brand or simply lack knowledge and understanding of it, skincare is something that requires attention. Luckily, men's skincare has never been easier with the Caldera with Caldera Lab and the Regimen. Inside this bundle, you'll find your skin skincare dream team: the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate starts and ends your day. The face wash leaves all your skin refreshed. The base layer is your daily moisturizer that hydrates your skin and absorbs it fast, leaving you with a matte finish so that you're uh, you can start your day confidently. 
The Good is your go-to at night before bed and a clinically proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as help reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines. In every drop of serum, there are 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin. Want to know what that means? Well, I have no clue. But it must be good though, right? Um, they even have an eye serum called the Icon. It addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eyes. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Um, and so... They also give you a nice handy little uh, flyer that tells you when to use things. Wow. Which, for me, I never know whenever I get a new skincare product and, and try to get in a routine. I always fall off because I never know when to actually use it. And I now have this up on my mirror so I know in the morning and at night that I should be using this and what to use. It's very nice. And so it takes less than a minute morning and night and helps and here to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. So you can get 20% off with our code CTP at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com by using code CTP. Uh, jump into skin and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. And this episode is also brought to you by 714 Tickets. We're all excited for the hawk season. And I, uh, well, Hawk season's gone, but baseball season, hawk season as it comes up in October. And I think it's agreed there's really no better way to watch any sport than going to games live and in person. That's where 714 tickets come in. It's a locally owned ticket company in Anaheim that never charges you taxes or service fees, unlike StubHub or Ticketmaster, located right in front of Honda Center, but also have a website, 714tickets.com, where you can earn 5% back in rewards on every online purchase. So to recap, you get to see your favorite team play, pay no fees, and earn rewards back for future purposes sounds like a no-brainer so you can shop for your tickets at 714tickets.com or stop by their office for a more personal feel check them out and use promo code ctp to get 10 percent off your purchase support local business yes support mom and pop yep yep exactly so okay all right well, we have a ton of questions we do and we're people, gonna start with our discord people really came through yeah we're gonna start with our discord then we're going to go to Twitter and then Twitch and YouTube. We will finish off with you because you always come through and we want to kind of end the show with you, all of you. Um, so we're going to start with this. Uh, Jared Kalornstan says, are we winning? Uh, no. Okay. Gleesaw said, how many marbles can you fit in a school bus? So I actually Googled this question. Okay. And couldn't find a marble answer, but could find a golf ball answer. Okay. Do you want and it, someone actually had a very long and detailed answer to this? I think it was Quora, which makes sense. I'll I'll read it really quickly here. Uh, a standard school bus is about eight feet wide, six feet high, twenty feet long. That is just a guess. That means there's nine hundred and sixty cubic feet, and since there are seventeen twenty-eight cubic inches in a cubic foot, that means about hundred and one million one point six five million cubic inches. I calculate the volume of a golf ball to be about 2.5 cubic inches as 0.85 inches is the radius of a golf ball. So the end calculation is about 495,000 golf balls. So uh, let's see. Appa said Felix is prepared for a question. I'm aghast. Here's the thing. If you wanted to actually prepare, you could have figured out how many marbles are in a golf ball and then done the multiplication. I, I, I would not have done that. I mean, it's not that hard to there's do that no, type of There's comparison. no world in where I actually go to that length. I mean, it's very easy. It's not that hard, but Well, whatever. why don't you do it on the spot then? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. You're the Olaf engineer. Is... You're, you, if anything, you should have had an answer prepared for this No, because I don't look engineer. at the questions until I read them. Okay, well, just saying. I, I just read them. 
I I I uh I throw you the layup and you get to dunk it or not. It's an alley oop. I don't think uh, that I don't think you throw a layup, but continue. I don't. I meant an alley oop when I. It's okay. You don't. Really, you don't really watch basketball. So I don't. Okay. I don't. Olaf is berserker said, "Who are your top one or two remaining UFAs available for the Ducks?" So number one is Tomas Tatar. We've okay. already. I we've would already agree talked with that. about him. I think that he's older, so it would be another older player if you can get him on three years. I just think that he solves so many problems for you up front. Just gives you a guy who can do everything. Outside of that, though, I was scrolling down the list, and it's not really a pretty list here are two names that i settled on and i don't even know maybe they've signed already so i could be wrong did did jesse pulley sign i don't think i don't think so he wasn't qualified so, but he has hips he's like having hip surgery well assuming that stuff. he can come back to health blah blah i think that he could be an interesting bet for the ducks i mean we've talked about him a lot but at his size his defensive ability some playmaking He's still young. He's 25, so, I mean, youngish. You can get him on probably a cheaper deal. And then also, this one is way less exciting, but Joel Kiviranta out of Dallas, he's just one of those guys who isn't going to blow you away, but he's the, the Ducks just need more solid bottom six depth, and I think he can bring that a bit more of a defensive specialist. But I just I'm looking at the Ducks' bottom six, particularly the third line, of what could be Vetrano, Lundestrom, Silverberg. And I have concerns, especially on the Silverberg front. So if you can maybe bring in one more body, that would be nice. But we'll see. Not necessarily top of the shopping cart either. Yep. Uh, let's see. First place, Dajan said, Now that the first wave of, U- wave of UFA is done, assuming the rosters stay the same from now till opening day, order the Pacific Division teams. You can tier them, but need a one through eight. Okay. So, Tier 1, number 1, the reigning champs, Vegas Golden Knights. I just, like, there's no disputing that. Uh, Number 2, still in Tier 1, Edmonton Oilers. Number 3, exit Tier 1. So, my apologies, thoughts, and prayers. But the LA Kings are not in Tier 1 until further notice. They are in Tier 2, along with Seattle at 4 and Calgary at 5. I don't have Calgary in that tier. So here's my issue with Calgary. They may drop into my next tier if they actually fire sell their roster, but they still have a fine roster on paper. And mm-hmm. without Daryl Sutter next season, like I just don't really know what is the big divider between them and Seattle, let's say, if, if they bring back the roster that they have currently. That doesn't really look like it's the case, though. So if you, weren't, if you were to be more speculative and drop them, into the next tier, you could, but the question was keep the rosters intact. So I did. Next tier, number six, Vancouver Canucks. I think that the, the Canucks are really trying to be competitive, and they do have the top-end talent. I don't think that that really gets them into the tier two, but they are, they might be competitive. Number seven. Who do you think I'm going to go with at seven? You're going with Anaheim. I am. Yeah, I, I would, think that... I would flip Anaheim and Vancouver, personally. No, I don't think the Ducks, as yep. currently constructed, are are better than the Canucks. But mm-hmm. uh, I have Anaheim 7. I think that they're better than the Sharks because if you look at the Sharks roster, it's. I also am being a little speculative in that I think they're going to trade Eric Carlson. So their roster is going to get a lot worse. It's already just kind of a shell roster. Um, I think that the Ducks are actually trying to build something. 
whereas the Sharks kind of aren't. So that's why I have the, the Ducks ahead of them. I also should mention, to your point about Vancouver, I have the Ducks in the same tier as the Canucks. So six and seven okay. are in the same tier. So if you want to flip them, you can go ahead. I won't really fight you too much. But I think the, the Canucks are just a little bit better right now. So, yeah, I think for me, Vegas, Edmonton, and then probably Seattle, L.A., I kind of have Vancouver, Calgary. You have Seattle above LA? I think so. Based on? I don't know. My <laughs> okay. bias against the Kings? I don't know. Okay. I'm going I'm shooting from the hip right now. Okay. Um and then I have Calgary, Vancouver, Anaheim all in a similar tier cuz I just think Calgary's on the downward spiral. Yeah, but their roster again as currently constructed uh, fair, is fair. better than both Fine. of those other teams, but but and then San Jose dead last. Yeah, I mean, I think the Sharks could be maybe seven because they are, I mean, they got Phillips Adina, Anthony Duclair, like maybe if they're young players, take a step forward. Like it's not out of the question, but their blue line is just so bad that I can't, can't have them above that. Yep. All right. Uh, here we go. Uh, co-champion bastard said, is Yegor Sidorov already the face of the Anaheim ducks? Uh, he's been the face for the last like two weeks. Yeah. So there you go. I w- Run through a wall for that man after his interviews. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Keenan Deal said, How sad are you that the Ducks couldn't get to Brinkett? And are there any decent trade chips left for the Ducks to pursue? Are any other moves to be had just nibbling around the edges? I mean, we talked about the Flames. Noah Hannafin. Noah Hannafin would be a big one. N- Elias Lindholm? I- Elias Lindholm wouldn't make a lot of sense. Would or wouldn't? Would not. I mean, I get that he doesn't necessarily fit the age, but Pavarbeek is also signing dudes who are like, you know, close. Yeah, to but 35. he's not. But he's not giving up assets for them. There is. Well, difference. he's giving up cap space, and he's term. giving up cap space, but he's not giving up prospects along with cap space. Yeah, there's a difference. I, I wonder how much it would take though to get Lindholm out of Calgary. A lot. Probably not a lot because Man. T- because trades never end up being a lot like when's the when's the last big name that actually got a big return kachuk eichel i honestly think kachuk might be the only one that's like a true big return and and maybe eichel too eichel's a big return also like look at the timo meyer return just a bunch of nothing yeah i i think that timo meyer return was better than than you're saying it was but it was not as good as those other two though yep uh Um, oh and then i was gonna say brett pesci yes 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 brett pesci okay uh, let's see. CZO said, will George Michael ever dance again? No. Do you get the, re- you, do you get the reference? I think I might, but I, I'll just say I don't. Sadly, he will never dance again, seeing as he passed away. Okay, well. Yeah. Olafus Berserker said, if Paverbeek was going to throw an offer sheet out there, who do you think he would target? Well, if you look at the guys who he could, it's not a very exciting list. Mm-hmm. What about like Keandre Miller, Evan Bouchard? Evan Bouchard would be the interesting one. I know that I know Edmonton that, doesn't have the, doesn't have the space. I know that folks really think that the Ducks blue line is kind of set, but it's still very speculative. You don't know how many of these prospects are going to pan out, and so bringing in a Bouchard or a Miller, someone of that kind of high upside ilk, would be a really great way to solidify that group, and then you have an excess of D-men that you could end up trading. Yep. 
Uh, Dusty Birkensock said, if Gibson could fetch a first and a prospect, but you have to keep two mil for each year remaining on the contract, would you do it knowing the cap is supposed to go up over the next few years? I think I might, depending on the quality of the prospect. I think it has to be a pretty decent prospect. Yeah, I would agree with that. But if it is, I think that that's that's pretty good. By the way, there was some conversation on the DFO show about uh, linking uh, John Gibson to the Devils. Is it linking or is it just that's the only team left that makes sense? (laughs) That's more so it probably. Yeah, I wouldn't call it linking. Yeah, fair. But but sure, the the Devils are the only – I mean, they're kind of the clearest – left contender for gibson just because of the way things have shaken out but yeah i don't know if that's really anything more than just speculation ken and deal says does missing out on debrican change any of the calculus when it comes to our uh for our pen comes to term for a pending rfas does it give the give the ducks enough room to be legitimate suitors for matthews next year so i don't think it really changes anything i, I think that for the, know, in terms of the rfas for the ducks I don't think so because I just I, think you're you're maybe for Terry, maybe yes. for Terry, that might be the only one. I think for Terry, it may, it does change things. The fact that DeBrinket came in underneath where mar- the market probably would have had him from an no, AAB no, no. But the but the question is just does missing out on DeBrinket? It's not the DeBrinket contract. Fair, fair. Basically, uh, is is DeBrinket not being a duck? Okay, changing? got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and I would say no. I don't know if you have an answer or not. But I would say no also. Okay. Yes, it does give the Ducks enough room to be legitimate suitors for Matthews, though. Yeah. I mean, especially if they move Gibson. Correct. Yeah. And they don't retain a bunch of money. Yep. Uh, D-Rock said, if Felix could only root for either the Golden State Warriors or the San Francisco Giants for the rest of his life, which team would he choose and why? I mean, how do we define root? Like, I can't watch their games? Correct. Can't watch their games? Correct. That's wow. what we're saying. That's a little rough. Man, I think I would go... Can I go to games? No. Can I go to games pretending to be a fan of the other team? No. I think I'm going Warriors just because I, I knew like... I you ba- would go Warriors. I like basketball better. I'm, it's, I prefer the sport, although that is a very tough one. Yeah. I'd find uh, a way around it, though. No, you would not. Uh, Dorian said, Who are you more excited to see on the blue line, Minchikov or Zellweger? Uh, Zellweger. I think that he's closer in NHL ready, and just the way he plays for me is just so I, exciting. I think this year, Zellweger, I think some of the clips, someone, uh, let me see who had mentioned it, but someone had wanted us to talk about, uh, TM said, can we talk about Zellweger's incredible skating abilities? His edge work is fantastic, yeah. and so I think I'm just really excited to see that translate to the NHL. I think long-term, I'm more excited to see Minchikov, though. No. Just to I- be able to see his instincts on the ice and see where that can go. I mean, I'm excited for Mintukov as well, but Olin Zellweger is like potentially a once in a generation Fair. type player. Fair. So Fair. You know what? I'm just gonna go with both. How about that? That's that's cowardly. Shaking Wink said, I wanna know if Bob is gone. Why are they doing rookie number the rookie numbers thing still? Who's pushing it and what other teams still do this? I mean, we both know the answer. Are are we are we free to share it? What? I, I don't think I know the answer. I just don't think it was a Bob Murray thing. You think it was a higher up than that thing? No, I think it was a lower down. Oh. Who's, uh, who's sewing the jerseys? Yeah, maybe. I think it's coming from folks closer to that. Maybe. But I feel like it could be changed from higher up if they want to. Um, I know that... I mean, no. it Actually, no. 
Sorry, I'm backing off on that somewhat. It started the highest thing because it was a Brian Burke thing. Brian like, Burke it has not been with this agreed, organization for but Bob like Murray two was decades. following Brian Burke. I mean, less so than two decades. There are plenty of other teams that have followed suit. I mean, Lou Lamarillo, I think, is notorious for this. Lou Lamarillo is not the yardstick you should be using. I'm not saying I am that. So he sorry. said, "What other the dude teams who still is signing third liners to seven year deals? The question and forces was, what, people to shave is the, not the yardstick. The question was, what other teams still do this? And that's the team. Oh, that's right. I didn't see that part of the question. Yeah, yeah. Regardless, not a yardstick. <laughs> it wasn't point, meant to be a yardstick. My point it, stands. You tried to make it a yardstick, and it, I, I didn't. That. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't have a rant on this. It's dumb. Let people wear what number they want. Stop with Adam Fantilli's dumb... already wearing eleven, and yeah. and Leo Carlson has to wear Nick thirty-seven number. Yeah. So does Ma- uh, Heyo Deflo said? Does Max Jones finish the twenty-three twenty-four season, having earned a spot forward uh, going forward in the Ducks' bottom six, or having been demoted to San Diego for the indefinite future? I'm gonna be optimistic and say yes. We were having a fun chat today in Discord. And I think it was Patrick who raised the point that, or was we were discussing it at least, that role players probably benefit and are affected more by a good or bad system. And I think that Max Jones has the makings of a solid depth player. He just needs an actual system to, to, to actually play in. So I'm going to be optimistic and say that, assuming Greg Cronin brings a respectable system, Max Jones has shown he can be a good four checker, and I think he can potentially thrive in that. So I'll say yes. yes. SP84 said, how many kids currently in the Ducks prospect pool make the team? You can di- divide forwards and D out if you like. Uh, I did not get to this question. Uh-oh. I mean, Cracking for me, armor. I think it's just Zellweger. I think he, like, I guess we can consider Lacombe and Hellison also in that group. Yeah. Nestoranko. also. I think Nestoranko is more interesting than people realize because yeah. I think that there's there's like four suitors for that thirteenth forward. Is spot. is the Klingberg trade going to be looked on a lot differently in a year or two? This is like the question. This is the question you'll just keep raising because it's constantly said. You hear Frank Saravelli said John Klingberg only got the Ducks a fourth. Yeah, I mean, I think you are correct that if Nikita Nestorenko becomes a solid NHLer, then yes, it completely changes how people view it. It doesn't change anything for me because I think it's like the return was fine considering how yeah. bad Klingberg was and the possibility of Nestorenko. I'm just not necessarily convinced Nestorenko starts the season in Anaheim just because like you've got, uh, I mean, Braden Tracy can compete for that type of spot. Uh, Bo grew at some point has to maybe get some NHL time and Pavel Regenda who people have just kind of forgotten about, but I think Pavel Regenda is a better player than Nestorenko right now. I mean, ideally, Nestorenko would just be on the team anyway instead of like Jakob Silverberg or take a pick of another veteran forward. So, but I just don't think it's a lock that he's on the team. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Puff said, does a duck steal the Calder from Bedard? Uh, is it Olin Zellweger, Carlson, or others? No. I say Zellweger if anyone. I mean, Connor Bedard not only is Connor Bedard, but he's also going to play for the Chicago Blackhawks. Just saying. So he, he's going to be on every national broadcast. So just saying. I, I find it very difficult to imagine a world where Olin what Zellweger. If, what if Zellweger leads the league in points? Or le- for the rookies. league? That, like rookie, sorry. If he does. As a defenseman. If he does, then yes. But I think that's what it would take. 
Okay. Ryan, oh, there are some questions earlier that I missed, actually. If slash when Gibson leaves, where does he rank uh, in the top 10 all-time duck goalies? Wow. That is a good question. I'll say and number can two. We assume, and can we assume Dossel is the next starter if we don't get a goalie back for Gibson? And will he rank in the top 10? <laughs> okay, I think Gibson's number two. Behind the guy who actually got it done, J.S. Shiger. Okay. Uh, the guy who didn't, you know, pout his way out of town, J.S. Shiger. Actually, that might not be true. <laughs> Since did he ask to be traded? No, he did not want to be. He traded. He wasn't happy though. It was. About it was near. The, well, yeah, it was near the end of his reign. He was he, a backup. He, but he it wasn't was happy very, about playing very behind Jonas Hiller. I don't. Think. Very different. Anyway. Um, Lucas Dossel, I think next season, if Gibson is gone, is more in a tandem role than a clear-cut starter. I just, I just can't imagine he goes from being like a real true backup to all of a sudden playing fifty games. So, tandem. But if Lucas Dostal, you know, eventually becomes a starter and solidifies himself, I mean, I could see him. I could see him being number one all time because you think about how good this Ducks team could be in the next five years. And if Lucas Dostal is backstopping all of that, like he's going to rack up wins, he's going to get into the playoffs, he's potentially going to win a cup. Like he could, he could very much climb those power rankings. But right now, for me, it's it's number thirty-five, the number that should be hanging in the Honda Center rafters, but is not due to unknown reasons. Uh, I will say John Gibson ends up. Uh, 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 I'm going to say what? third. Third, me. okay. So behind Dostal and Jaguar? No. Jaguar, Hiller, Gibson. I think I would have Guy Bear. I think I would have Guy Bear ahead of Jonas Hiller. Do we underrate how good Jonas Hiller was? Jonas Hiller had a really good like three years. He stretch. was in his he played three hundred and twenty six games for the Ducks. Yeah. Like that is yeah. So just gonna put that solid. out there. I'm gonna I, he he deserves more respect. Guy Bear deserves more respect also. Yeah, I think John Gibson. Do- John Gibson is in that upper echelon, though, which the Ducks have been blessed with great goaltending throughout their history. So, and he's right there with everyone. I want to get back to this topic very briefly. Okay, but the more you listen to people talk about the the Gibson trade situation, like he was on, uh, he was on the Cam and Strick podcast. Oh, completely pointless. But has this narrative that he's a great goalie stuck in a bad situation almost gone too far? Like, I think you and I both agree that he's affected by it, but his stats have been crummy for a while now, like a while and while. Do you, do you still like, do you think that that narrative is being over overblown that, that he's this awesome goalie who's just being held back? Like, is it too much of a, is it too much of like a, I think just, that there's some. I think there's something there about Dallas Aikens being the head coach. I've brought this up in the past, but you look at his but, GSAX but, numbers. But look at Ra- and the, but, well, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me finish with this. Okay, it is that you look at his GSAX numbers, and prior to Dallas Aikens taking over, he was always positive to a significant degree. But playing under Randy Carlisle, though, yes, like late but, stage Randy Carlisle. So where I'm going with this though is that even playing under late-stage Randy Carlisle may have been a system, even if it was set up for him to get shellacked and shot on against. It, no, no, no. But it, it provided shots in the location that was to his benefit. Also, where his, are, are, are we overrating how bad the Ducks were prior to last season? Because I think last season was really, truly bad. Yeah, but I think that is a fact. Because like two at 5-on-5, five five, the Ducks were more like 
bottom tier than like yeah. bottom bottom. I think that realistically what's happened is it's a system that did not play to his benefits. Sure. And that really set him up in a spot to be bad. I agree with that, but I just think that it's almost like just kind of like a foregone conclusion that he's just a Vezina goalie stuck on a bad team. Like I think that he's going to have to earn that back because if he goes to a new team, like if you're the devils, are you ready to sell a bunch of stuff to go out and get him? I don't know. Like it it is a bit of a gamble. Yep. Uh, Ryan also said, what should we do going forward in terms of goaltending? If we trade, if the ducks trade Gibson, um, you take a goalie back. If you take back Vanacek and you do a tandem with Dostal and Vanacek, yeah, uh, they're going to want, uh, they're going to want to keep Akira Schmidt, though. I think they wanted to play him in the AHL next year is what okay. was going to happen. Um, and then let me see. Uh, Beat all said, question, any bets on who gets a new contract first, Terry Zegers, Dreisel, or Dostal? I think Troy Terry. I think Troy Terry just because there's the deadline. a deadline. Yeah. Um, are, you, see. are you distracted right now? I am. I heard like a bang on my slider, so I was very confused by that. Oh. So, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, sec- second place, Louis said, what is one food that you absolutely refuse to eat? I mean, this is easy for me. What is it? Uh, eggs. Oh, that is such a terrible take. Eggs. I'll go At, olives. Will not refuse. Will not eat eggs. I think canned olives are really just not appealing. Yeah, I'm not the biggest olives guy, but I won't refuse to eat them. I'll, um, I'll refuse. OG Leo Carlson Truther, a.k.a. our good friend Connor, said, uh, why does Felix see the thing that we must do after the fact when we understand we do things which might or might may not be possible be thought about when they're done? I will await pushback. I don't know what any of that meant. <laughs> I don't know what that what I'm supposed to get out of that word salad, but... Thanks, Connor. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for your question. And, and, <laughs> that, here's, that, and, here, and here's your pushback. Here's your ratio. Here's your pushback. All right. Uh, so we got a couple questions on Twitter, and then we'll get to our Twitch and YouTube chats. So people in the Twitch and YouTube chats, uh, once we get through this, start throwing your questions. And I know some people have put them in. Please, if you want to put them in again, it makes my life a little bit easier Repost. with this. Um, Barry said, is there a significance to the numbers 34, 37, 46, and 51 for rookies? Do other teams uh, have numbers like this or that they hand out to rookies? No significance. It's just some teams do this. Randomizer. Where, yeah. Um, uh, you're being called out saying you should have uh, prepared for that one. That, that question from Connor. Um, you're right. Yeah. Tro- Trophy with a B said with the plethora of D prospects in the pipeline, do you think there's a point where Pat Verbeek starts shipping out young blue liners to try and help strengthen the forward group? Yes, I think yes. so. I think that that's kind of, that's the, that's the side benefit of having a lot of well thought of prospects is that you can trade them before the shine wears off. And you can use them to shore up other weaknesses. Like, again, we've touched on it a couple times here, but I really, I look at the Ducks forward group and I'm very unconvinced by it, especially even in the pipeline. So maybe that's what ends up happening is they, they deal like a Tyson Hines or a Tristan Leneau to go in and upgrade up front. Not saying that's yeah. what's going to happen, but that's just the options that it gives you. Yep. Uh, he also said, what's the perfect Poke Bowl? So I'm not the best person because I don't eat raw fish, but... I'll do pokey with wait, shrimp. Wait, wait, hold on. I mean, you I don't, don't eat fish sushi? in general. I do shrimp with sushi or crab. Do you think the shrimp is cooked? Yes. Oh, that's right. It is. Cool. <laughs> I, was trying to get, I was trying to get you on a gotcha. <laughs> Didn't work. 
Wow. So, sometimes uh, you swing and miss. It's okay. I'll do. Uh, so my favorite Poke Bowl is uh, shrimp, white rice, uh, ginger, wasabi, seaweed salad, Im- the crab imitation crab meat. Uh, yeah. All that on top with some of the pokey sauce. So I usually good. go, I mean, I haven't had pokey in like probably over a year, but usually go like, I'll go all three different kinds of fish. So I'll go tuna, salmon, and then maybe the spicy tuna. Uh, I like the, the, what is it? Edamame. Yes. The, yeah. Oh, I'll I like, do edamame also. I like to put some avocado in there, white rice. Um, I don't know. Just the whole shebang. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't had pokey in a long time, so uh, a little rusty. Andrew Boydson says, uh, oh, we've already kind of covered this. Sorry, asking about uh, what players we'd like to see in terms of free agents uh, yeah. available. So we've kind of talked about that. We covered that. So, but yeah, I think Tomas Tatar is top of mind, but I'm starting to doubt that happens. So, yep. Uh, he's got, uh, I've got this one from our good friend Trevor Zebra saying, uh, I got one question for the pod tonight. Obviously, the Angels owner is terrible, and fans have been hoping for him to sell a team because the Angels don't seem to have spe- specific direction. Do you like the Samuelis, and do you guys think the Ducks do have a specific good direction? Yes, I like the Samuelis. Sure, you can quibble with certain things here and there, but they have invested in the team, invested in hockey in Southern California, and have really done wonders well, also, for the, the sport in California. Grade them on the curve of like sports owners. There's a lot of just bad owners and yeah. crazy owners, so... On that curve alone, they are great. And even if you take them off that curve, like they're still fine. So, yeah, it seems like the the pro the pro sports franchise across the street from the Ducks could could benefit from that. Yep. All right. So now we're gonna start getting some questions from our Twitch and our YouTube chat. So if you are in there, please start throwing questions in, repost them with question at the front, just for my ease. Um and. So uh, for those of you that are listening to this on your favorite podcast services, you can find us at twitch.tv slash crash bond, where if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime gaming sub each and every month. It helps out more than you can imagine. You can also follow us, I think heart the videos, and you'll get notified when we go live. Um, and if you are watching us on YouTube, you can go to youtube.com uh, slash crash pond. Please like the video if you're enjoying what you're seeing. Subscribe to the channel. Uh, really trying to boost our numbers there. Get a little bit more visibility. Get more views on there. Really help us out if you're liking it. And I know everyone here uses YouTube, even if you're listening. So go find us there. Like the channel. Subscribe to it. Hit the notification bell to get notified when we go live. All right. So we're going to get to some questions. Uh, so please start throwing questions into the chats as you've got them. Uh, makes my life easier to find them. Roots20 said, will Leo Carl... Uh, Leo Carlson goes back to the SHL uh, next year and then plays in the NHL the year after. Uh, will he win the Calder Trophy? Oh, boy. Who's going to be a rookie that year? <clears throat> Macklin. Macklin Celebrini. However you say his last name, yeah. Uh, you know what? Sure. I think that the thing with Leo Carlson as a rookie, assuming it's two years from now, is he's going to be coming into a good situation, presumably. Mm-hmm. He's going to have a lot of help up front. And, I mean, if you think about the teams that might draft like a Celebrini or, or whoever is going to be whoever ends up being the top pick. I think it's going to be a pretty bad team. So they might not have a lot of help. So sure. Leo Carlson uh, is your 2025 Calder trophy winner. Yep. Uh, he also said, will the Canucks go Celebrini, uh, or Celebrini hunting next year? The Canucks? Yes. 
I don't think the Canucks are trying to draft in the top no. like 10. I think they're trying to make the playoffs. Yeah. They basically signed every like mid free agent. So no, but he's I think Macklin Celebrini is from Vancouver. So that's two years in a row. The Canucks could have gone all out to go and get a, a local hometown boy. And instead they are racing for the middle. Yep. Uh, Beat Auto said, question, why is Grape Nut Cereal called that when it contains neither grapes nor nuts? Why is what? Why is grape what nuts? Now? What is a grape nut? Have you never heard of the cereal grape nuts? I've never had it, so I can't really speak on it. I've never even heard. I've never you, heard of what? that. What? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's a cereal. I just don't think there's a need for grape nuts. I think if you never bought it the rest of your life, you'd be I mean, just I've fine. never had it, so... Yeah, there's no need. Okay. DB Lowry said, question, how can you uh, be the best goalie in Ducks history and get outgoalied by Jimmy Howard? You can't be the best goalie in Anaheim and lose to Detroit in the postseason. I didn't say that Jimmy that that uh, Jonas Hiller was the best Jimmy goalie. Jimmy Hiller? Yeah, Jimmy. I didn't say Jonas Hiller was the best goalie in Ducks history. I just said that he was the second best goalie in Ducks history. Mm, Hiller's second best. I feel like you have to give Gibson higher than Hiller just on longevity alone. I mean, it's not... I mean, it's 100 more games. You also have played over 300 games for the Ducks. Sure, but Gibson played significantly more. That, that's a lot more. 9-11 versus 9 100 games is not, like, you know, just something to throw away. Do I just go bold and say that Guillet Bears above John Gibson? I mean, I think that's way less bold slash wrong than saying Hiller above Gibson. Yeah. Uh, let's see. No, Brzgalov does not make the list. Only played weirdly. Brzgalov only played seventy-seven games as a duck. How's it's that weird? Like, because it feels longer. I guess I don't know. It's weird that Ryan Miller was a duck longer than, or played more games as yeah. a duck than Brzgalov. Yeah. So, a bear played four hundred forty-one with the Ducks. Yeah. So, I think that he gets. I think he. I think it's Gibson number two, a bear three, and then. Um, you can put Hiller number four. If you Rich want to flip a Baron and Gibson to be, you know, spicy, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, we have some people on our YouTube chat asking kind of about the OC vibe thing, uh, whether that's Angel Stadium and Honda Center. It's only going around Honda Center. The one that was around Angel Stadium, I think, got nixed because of all the shady stuff with the Anaheim mayor, if I'm remembering correctly. But OC vibe is the one that's going to be uh, – uh, it's basically going to be built in the parking lots of Honda Center um let's see uh roots 20 said question is that why we ha- all have to be mad what i mean what i didn't he, do a good impression what is he referring to oh is that why the, Why you have it, to be mad it's only it, game oh okay got it yeah got it uh db lowry's like where does victor Foss rank oh my gosh I need, to, I need to there, pull up the Ducks all-time goalie it, stats. It says there have been 35 goalies, which feels light, but it says there's been 35 goalies in, in Ducks fr- history. In franchise history? In franchise history to play a regular season game. That is way less than I would have thought. Let's see. Let's see. How many games played did Victor Faust had? Victor Faust played 30 games. Yeah. Um, I mean, Freddie Anderson is ahead of Victor Faust. I mean, really, the top five, the top four is pretty set. I mean, should it be ranked like that heavily based on games played? No, it should all. That's why I think Jonas Hiller should do you, be higher. Do you, I mean, should Freddie Anderson be ahead of Jonas Hiller? Should Freddie Anderson be ahead of Jonas Hiller? H- higher save percentage. 
more playoff I think that, success. I think that, I think you have to wait games played in this because that oh, does so rise. now games played matter. Again. We're talking okay. over two hundred okay. games difference. Okay, well, you said a hundred was nothing, so I didn't now, say it was now two hundred is massive. Okay, I'm saying three twenty six versus four thirty one is not the same as three twenty six versus one twenty five. What about Mikhail Stalenkov? No, that eight ninety seven. So wh- the question was, where does Victor Faust rank? Victor Faust is like tenth, fifteenth. I-, I don't know. He's he might no. He's not even tenth. What am I saying? Uh, I think Ryan Miller would be my number six. Anthony Stolarz or Victor Faust? Uh, Anthony Stolarz. Anthony Stolarz, yes. Okay. Uh, Victor Faust or Dan Ellis? All right. Now, th- this, <laughs> is, this pr- is this productive? Victor I'll, Faust I'll or Kurt? I'll go Dan Ellis because you know Kurt, what? The, it's an eight-game difference. So, or or, or Curtis McElhaney. Curtis McElhaney. Lu- Lucas Dostal or Victor Faust? Dostal. Jonathan Bernier <laughs> over Victor Faust. Wow. Ray I'm... Emery? Ray Emery or Victor Faust? Ray Emery. Okay. I'm not picking anyone. Chat. I'm not, Chat. I'm not, I'm not Chat. picking. Anton Hudobin or Victor Faust? I'm not picking Victor Faust over anyone out of principle. An- Anton Hudobin? No. Kevin Boyle? Rito Barrow. Remember the the like random Kevin Boyle like push? Yes. That that happened. Timo Pilmeier. Oh, was it one game for Pilmeier where he let in like seven or eight goals? Eero Tarki. Yeah. There was a while there where the Ducks like had some like prospect goalies that were getting hyped up, and they came in and just got shelled. Yeah. Eero Tarki. Yeah. Eero Tarki seven, uh, seven goals against Tom Hodges, legend. That's so funny that his name's actually on this list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But no. All right. Uh, let's have see. We, have we underrated Martin Gerber in this conversation? Maybe. He was really good. I mean, he has a, he had a 923. 923 in 54 yeah. games. Like, that's pretty solid. And the Ducks were bad that year. Yeah. Give me Martin Gerber over Victor Faust. There I it think, is. I think Martin Gerber gets into my top 10. Yeah. Uh, Plant Ranch said, question, what would you say that are the pros and cons of having Minchukov in the NHL next year? Uh, pro is that he's Pavel Minchukov and he's by all accounts amazing. Con is that maybe it would benefit him to iron out some areas of his game under Matt McElvain's tutelage. Yeah. So. Uh oh, Beatles with a just we're in the shit show part of the show, but whatever. Are we? Question: Why does Donald Duck wear a towel when he comes out of the shower when he doesn't usually wear any pants? Uh, he's drying off. He's still why, gotta get. He's still gotta get dry down there. I mean, why is he wearing it around his waist like he's covering something? Maybe, what is he? What is he covering? What is he doing in that shower? <laughs> Maybe it's the fact that he's feathered and the water trickles down faster with feathers. So he's what? You know, what is he trying to hide? What is what? Who know. cares if there's water? I don't know. Maybe there's something in there. I don't know. <laughs> um, Christian Batiste said. Thoughts on the Leafs development can't camp hit. Any thoughts? Would you prefer rookies to take it easy on the scrimmage? I mean, I don't know. It was if a it dumb was a, hit. It I don't know if it was a hit. dirty hit. It was just dumb. It was it was just like why are you why are you doing that? Like there's no need. I don't yep. I don't think you really proved anything with that yep. hit except that you're willing to take your teammates head off. So yep. yep. Uh, let's see. Beat all said question: Does Wild Wing wear a towel out of the shower? I don't think no. I mean, we don't know. We've never 
There's Someone an actual is... person inside that costume. So yeah. All right. P Blaster said, "Question: uh, As a player signing with the Ducks, how much do these guys weigh the uh, weigh their decision? High California tax, Western Conference schedule, rebuilding team. I think really the big factor is the rebuilding team, mm-hmm. and then after that, it's just kind of a grab bag of whatever matters to that person. Yeah, and and that's the thing because I I think you see the high California tax brought up a lot with with the Ducks, but it's like." why that same argument doesn't necessarily get made about the Rangers. Well, also it, Pierre-Luc Dubois just signed sought with, out the LA Kings. Yeah. Sought out the LA Kings going for that, uh, that aspect of What's it. What's the difference between the Kings and the Ducks? The, it, the King, like the Kings are a competitive yeah, team. Like every player is going to have their own personal preference here. And some guys will love the fact that they don't have to shovel their car out of the snow. Yeah. In, in the middle of winter and their family can live at well, the beach. Some guys will Connor prefer- McDavid has a heated driveway, so he okay. actually doesn't need to do that. Some but, some yeah. guys care about the tax, and they'll go to a different state. It, it's all depending on personal preference, but at the end of the day, the biggest thing is the team success, and if your team is having success, people will take less to come to your team, regardless of the tax situation, regardless of the weather at your place. That is the biggest thing for your team, and everything else typically falls beneath that. Yeah, like the weather isn't good in new york but new york is a great town that the the team has been competitive for a long time um there's all sorts of factors yeah so i also i I also don't think we should say that like the income tax is not a factor no it's not factor it's a factor i just think it's way overblown as a factor i guess is my my only point sure and so it's just it's another factor just like everything else people enjoy the sun people enjoy not having state taxes, there's all give and takes with everything. Yeah. Um, Tobias B said, question, where do you think we will land in the standings with our free agent additions? Assuming we have re-signed Terry, Dostal, Zegers, and Drysdale. Where do they finish in the standings? Yeah. Well, Give I me a point them... total. Ugh. What did they have last year, 54? Some ungodly amount. What did the Sabres have this past year? Let me see. The Ducks had 58 last year. Okay. The Buffalo Sabres, uh, let's see, got 91. <sighs> Ducks ain't getting 91 points. I'm going to say 80. They're got, the Senators got 86 points. I'll go, yeah, I'll go like 84. I'll go 86. Okay. Big jump coming. Still a big jump, but on paper, were they truly a 50-whatever point team? Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Yep, uh, let's see. Root said, now that Shattenkirk is gone, who's going to be the one wearing the teddy bear suit? Does the teddy bear suit get retired? wear a towel? Does the teddy bear suit get retired? It's Does... definitely Max Jones in there. Yeah, I could see it being Max Jones. I mean, or it's Trevor Zegers because he doesn't want to get scared again. That's true. That's a good point. You can't be scared if you're in there. Yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Koba said, do we see Adam Henrique traded this year? Yes. What if the Ducks are in a playoff spot? Then no. Which is very unlikely, but let's say that they are. Then, yeah, then, probably not. I, I don't think so, yeah, because I think, well, I think they is weigh. Is he a rental at that point? Yeah, I think they weigh the situation, but, yeah. I, I think he is traded, though. <laughs> D.B. Lowry saying the teddy bear costume goes up in the rafters before 35. I mean, 35 is never going up. I think that that's pretty clear at this point. Can they unretire 27? Wow. Wow. I'm anti-27. You're anti-Scott Niedermeyer. I'm anti-27 being in the rafters. Here's the thing. You want 
Scott Wienermeyer out of I'm the organization. I'm anti-27 in the rafters. I'm anti-35 in the rafters. But if 27's in the rafters, 35 should be up there. 35 has to be if 27's in the exactly. rafters. Exactly. Like, Scott Wienermeyer played how many seasons? Three? Four? Four. Four? Jaguar played, I mean, the better part of his career in Anaheim. He led them to two Stanley Cup finals. Like, how? How? If, if 27 is up there. But... I just think you have a thing against Scott Niedermeyer and John Sebastian. Well, why am I being attacked? Is saying I hate, acoustic walrus is saying I hate Scott Niedermeyer as a person. Damn. You hate, but you hate both JS and Scott. It's pretty clear. What, what do you uh, have against these guys? I have nothing against them. Nothing. Nothing at all. JS Shiger made a save without ring, a mask. Ring of honor. Ring of honor. Ring of honor is just like a big middle finger. Honestly, Ducks Hall of Fame. Team Hall of Fames are dumb. I'm sorry. Unless you're like the Canadians, the Leafs, or something, some a team with like over 100 years of history, don't make a Hall of Fame, please. Wait, why am I now being said that I hate Pronger? I don't hate Chris Pronger. You hate every good player that's spent a short amount of time in Anaheim. No, I don't. It's pretty. You, you said you're anti 27. Who is? I'm anti going in the rafters. Why you're is anti Niedermeyer? Your oh, five, five seasons, I guess, was was Niedermeyer. But one of those was a half season. Like Wow, just just completely dump on everything what? he ever accomplished for the Ducks. <laughs> He's still working for the team. He's should, Ro- back. should should Rob Niedermeyer's number go in the rafters because it brought the Ducks, Scott Niedermeyer? No. Does don't 44 get retired? Don't think that's how that works. Does 44 get retired? No. <laughs> No, but 35 should be up there on on its own merit. N- no relation to 27. Just should be up there on its own merit. Beatall said, "What did Jaguar do to the Samuelis? Take off uh take off the stream." No, I I don't think there's anything there. I think they just I don't know. I'm curious. I think it goes up eventually though. Maybe. Um let's see. Tobias B said, uh, "How do you guys feel about the new head coach?" I think that it's an intriguing hire. I don't want to get too hyped up on it and cling on to every uh, soundbite because at the end of the day, we've we've been down this road before. We've, we've done, done that dance. And, I mean, people on our Discord have made it a habit of digging through my old tweets. And there were some times where I was very glowing of Dallas Higgins, pre him really coaching all that much in Anaheim. So I think I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. But based on everything he said, based on what we've heard, I think that it's an intriguing hire, and I have cautious optimism. Wait. Last one left saying, what do you think about Ray Bork's jersey being retired in Colorado? His has number's it? retired in the app for the Avalanche. Has, is it? Is if that it, true? He played a one and a half seasons. He played 94 games there. You know what? Makes sense. He... Is his number retired there? He, it is. Why? He is part Derek of, Grant played he, more games as a duck. He, okay. Okay. First off, that's just straight up insulting. <laughs> Think about the impact of the games Ray Bork played for the Avs. Max Com- Comtois played more games your, uh, as a duck. Quality over quantity. Ray Bork was part of one of the most iconic moments in hockey history, wearing a Colorado Avalanche sweater. Th- that's the great handoff. for him. That doesn't make him a jersey retirement. You know what? You know what? I have this to say. Okay. I have this to say. There's not one cookie cutter, 
uh, uniform standard for jersey retirement. Jersey retirement standards should be team specific, and they should be about you know team history and the impact on that team. So, regardless of you know length of time, should or, Nick Deloria's number be retired in Anaheim? No, because he had no impact. He was a <laughs> he was a scrub. No impact. Ray Bork had a massive impact on the Avs, and rightfully, seventy-seven hangs from the the rooftop of uh, Balls Arena. So, <laughs> oh, is it Ball Arena? Sorry, sorry, Ball Arena. <laughs> just, just, just slip of the tongue there. My apologies. Uh, Tibalt says, "When are you guys going to do a full ranking of every goalie that's ever played a game for the Ducks? That might be a Patreon topic. That might be a fun, just like dumb. That, Patreon that is topic. either a that is a summer topic or a Patreon topic. So." Subscribe to the Patreon, T-Bolt. I know you're there. Um, let's see. Uh, Michael B. said, who is the worst good Ducks player of all time? His Wor- choice is Joffrey Lupul. Worst good Duck? Huh. Of all time. Well, I can't really. I don't have the Yuri Seikach? He's not. He wasn't bad. What are you talking about? I don't know. I, uh, I'm trying to understand the worst good. Worst good. Just like, it's almost like overrated uh, good player. I mean, I know who you would say. Who? Ryan Kessler. The worst good duck. Yeah. Cam Fowler? Yeah. No, Cam Fowler Cam, might no, be up get, there. Get, get out of here. I mean, have we forgotten that a lot of Cam Fowler's career was kind of meh? Are you really now... Meh? Wait. Are you now jumping off the Cam Fowler ship? No, I think Cam Fowler's been great the last few years. Okay. But I think before that, he was not that great. Uh, Jakob Silverberg, you could throw in there. Jakob Silverberg's a good one. I mean, kind of insulting to yeah to the guy who just played 81 games. B. Donald said, question, if the Ducks sign Kale McCarr and he leads the Ducks to another cup, would Jake hate him too? No. Yes. Yes. No, I don't hate yes. any of these You're players. You're anti-Niedermeyer. You even said it. How? You're anti-Niedermeyer. How? You said, I'm anti-27. I'm anti-27 being retired. Kia Bear threw a first pitch at Angel Stadium. That's fascinating. Today? No, just I, there's just a picture of my. Oh, Google. you are just looking at shiny objects, aren't you? I don't. You talking about Gabriel's head? No, I meant. <laughs> What's the shiny object reference? You're like a cat looking at a shiny object, getting distracted. Well, I was googling him, and I just like glanced over at the page, and it was that, that popped up. So, anyway, um, someone had mentioned. I think it was DB Lowry saying. How do we feel about Lucas Dostal wearing number one, seeing as that was Hitler's number? Great, uh, great tribute to a oh, great yeah. goalie. Why don't goalies have the the rookie number thing going on? I don't know. It's it's very odd. Maybe well, because it just has Lucas Dostal ever had number one or always? Sorry, always yeah, had number one. Yeah, he has. Even in prospect camp. Day. Well, I don't know about that, but or dev I think, camp. I, I think I think he always did have one, even in prospect camp. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Maybe it's because there's not that many goalie numbers. It's like the 30s and 1. Those are I like mean, your standard goalie numbers. Oli Eriksson Ek wore 78. Was that his choice? I don't know if that was his choice. Very confusing. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's end with – we have two questions. Let's just end with these. Uh, Tobias B said, how do you think Pavrobik has done with the team and the direction he's taking the team? I think overall it's a B. I think a lot of the grade comes from just the internal improvements, like building out the analytics staff, trying to revamp the development staff bring in Matt McIlvain, trying to build out the actual infrastructure of the team. But the actual roster building component is a big old TBD at this point in time. Yep. 
I mean, I uh, guess you. I guess like I like the Leo Carlson pick, but yes. Lou's asking, why don't you people accept the Dustin Brown twenty three statue? Why does Dustin Brown have a statue? Why does he have two statues? I think that that's a little misleading because the other one is part of like a bigger kind of sculpture with multiple characters in it. Yeah, he's still like that is where he should have a, a statue. Like that makes sense. Why does he have a statue though? Like he he had he played what like thirteen hundred games. 800 points, something like that? No, I don't think he even had 800 points. Let's see. Do you want to... I, 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 I will look this up right now. Let's see. He had... He had 712 points. Boom. In 1,296 games. Yeah. So, that's not... Like, that's not even... Like, jersey retirement status. I mean, jersey retirement's a little different. Because, again, like, he was the captain... You know, he was part of those cup teams. Like, I could see that. But statue is, like, completely different to me. So, yeah, the statue thing just makes no sense. Yep. It, should, like, should, what, what would be the Ducks equivalent? Scott of, Niedermeyer. Of his, no, no, because Dustin Brown played his entire career. The he thought process eight, is captain that led the team to the cup. No, he played 18 years with the Kings. Like, not comparable. It's it's the equivalent it's of Niedermeyer getting his number retired. It's a terrible comparison. Terrible it's, comparison. Okay. But regardless. Like a career duck, but who wasn't actually, like, a Hall of Fame worthy player. Uh, Ryan, I mean, Ryan Kessler's not that. Uh, like, known for leadership but not really actual on-ice excellence. I mean, the Ducks haven't had that many guys to play. I mean, they've only had one player to play over 1,000 games. Man, Dustin Brown's career high, single-season career high in points is 61. Like, Ruchin is someone people are mentioning, and, like, he could be up there. Like, yeah, it's just... Like, Timu Solani makes way more sense because Timu Solani had some fantastic seasons with the Ducks. Like, to me, a statue... I don't really like to me a statue is just you've got to be an all-time player and I just don't know if Dustin Brown was that but hey I mean going back to my earlier tirade let teams do whatever they want yep I have a bone to pick real quick though before we get out of here yes my bone to pick is with our uh, food channel in discord okay good old uh hey yo deflow in there he's got a lot of bad food takes Saying that just, spaghetti just, is un, is overrated. It's not. It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's properly rated. It's fine. Yeah. It, yeah. Picture like what? Like how? It's how not could overrated. you think spaghetti is overrated? It's fine. And it's, he, it's, it's just fine. His response was: "There are so many better option pasta options. Not to mention, it's a choking hazard. That doesn't mean it's overrated. Also, <laughs> all, all food is a choking hazard." Yeah. Twirling spaghetti, though. Unnecessary. It's not unnecessary. For I saw me. that take of you. <laughs> I figured I'd let you out yourself on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lou was hating on sous vide earlier, which is a great form of cooking. <laughs> There's just been a lot of poor takes in our food channel lately, and it's... You know, people really going to bat for uh, for energy drinks. I just can't get there. Oh, they're good. There's just no need for energy drinks. They're good. Really, ever. Why are people now saying bread's overrated? Do you know what my stack was, snack was before the podcast? Bread? <laughs> a slice of sourdough bread. Yeah. Sourdough bread is fantastic. It's great. Just just ate it by itself, not toasted, just, just ate the bread. It was great. 
Taurine is amazing. That's what's in a lot of energy drinks. Yeah, Celsius does not have that. Take a taurine supplement instead of taking all these just like cocktails of they taste good. They taste good. Yeah, they're sugary and they make you. Celsius does not have sugar in it. They're sugary. Celsius does not have sugar in it. Are you gonna make me look up the the Celsius energy drink ingredients? All right, fine. Yeah, fine. Go for it. I can do that. Okay. I could do that. Uh, (laughs) Why don't they have their ingredients like readily available up front? Why do I have to dig? This is stupid. They're hiding. (laughs) Are they? They're hiding. They're hiding. I can't find it. I can't find it. This can't be the entire list. It's uh, Meta Plus Proprietary Blend. Let's see. I well, are... is, this, is this guaranteeing they never sponsor us? Possibly. Natural flavor. Yeah, not good. Just just don't drink it. Have a They're cup delicious. of coffee. Have a cup of coffee. They're Have delicious. Have a cup of... Have no, a cup of... C- coffee's harsh. Is it harsh? It's harsher than this. This tastes like orange. Yeah, but that's also filled with things you don't need. It's great. I like it. Yeah, jump in cold water or slap yourself awake, says Duck Lover. Yeah, what if go. what if Celsius does support us in the future? How about that? If they do? Yeah. Look, money talks. I'm not above getting bought out. So if they want to pay up and buy my silence, by all means. <laughs> your silence. But not even your support, your silence. If they want to buy my silence, they can, but they're going to have to pay a pretty penny. <laughs> So there you go. Let's get out of here. I hope this. I hope the Celsius CEO is listening to this right now. Oh yeah, notes. big big ducks fan. Hey, is it selling out or is it just taking advantage of a situation? getting your worth, knowing your worth? Yeah, yeah. If if my silence can be bought, then depending on oh, the issue, no. it can be. Johnny just in our and Discord said, "Are we sure Italian food is good?" That's just a terrible take. What a bad take. Italian food is great. Italian food is like one of the top tier cuisines. Here's what I'll say though. Re dot dot Italian cuisine. There is a lot of bad Italian food out there in the US. In the US. Fair. They're like like think just imagine your local Italian restaurant. Are you against are you are you rallying against mom hold and pop on, shops hold again? Nana on. Nana's <laughs> Hold on, hold on. Before you make this out to be a, a, a anti-nana and nano uh, situation, I mean, hey, if nano and nana don't want to get called out, maybe they should uh, step up because a lot of these local Italian restaurants, first off, they always you walk in and you feel like has this place been vacuumed in the last like you know year? You know, there's always this kind of dingy feeling to them, and then the food like. I don't know what it is about, like, the super Americanized Italian restaurant, but you'll order, like, tomato sauce, you know, like, whatever, marinara sauce, spaghetti, and the, the, the marinara sauce will just be, like, slapped onto the top of the spaghetti, and it's just incredibly watery. Like, the sauce isn't at all embedded or melded with the, with the pasta. Like, they didn't even bother to stir. It's just that's my that's my kind of impression. That's my that's what enters my mind when I think of these. Local you are getting places. just dragged. Am I in our Twitch chat? Just no. absolutely dragged. No, I love a great Italian restaurant. I think Italian food is is S tier. <laughs> but I think 
in the U.S., there's a lot of local Italian places that just suck. That just calling out Nona and uh, Nono and Nona. Call them out. Hey, I want Nono and Nana to succeed, but I I want them to do it in a way that <laughs> will actually you know glorify the their heritage because this this ain't it. I'm really only thinking of one place right now, local to are me. You, are you painting with a broad brush? I right have now? no clue if this is actually true for most places, but it could be, and I'm looking out for that. I'm being cautious. Maybe you know you shouldn't paint with a broad brush and respect the hardworking Italians that are here providing us with delicious food. I think that Italian food is awesome. But Italian ha- food and Mexican food are the two top tiers. Hmm. I don't think Mexican food is in the same tier as Italian food. Wow. Respectfully. Wow. I say this with all due respect. <laughs> and I've had great Mexican food, but it, it's just not in the same tier as Italian food. Wow. Sorry. Sometimes the truth really hurts, but it's important for a reason. Hmm. And now I got I'm, nothing else. I'm being called out. I love Mexican food. Hold on. Hold on. People are throwing how are, out we, some, how are we still going? People are throwing some major accusations in this chat. You know, there's just a lot of delicious food all over. How about that? Is there really a bad food? I don't know. Fre- French food, I- I'm iffy on. Wow. French food is also S tier, but different different conversation. There isn't really a bad cuisine. I'll say that. I think that there's some cuisines just have a lot of bad interpretations a lot of bad imitations like that's the problem with mexican food in the u.s or in california is it's everywhere and a lot of people just aren't good at it it's not authentic or it's not well made or whatever it's the same thing with italian food oh british food yeah db lowry saying british British food is bad what is british food can can we narrow that down bland like what is it the english breakfast english breakfast fish and chips Fish and chips are fish and chips are one of those foods that always sounds like a great idea and then you eat it and you feel like utter trash after and you're like, yeah, that wasn't smart. Mm-hmm. Pies. Pies. Yeah, lo- meat pies. meat pies. Yeah. Savory pies. Yeah. So I, so I used to have uh, a roommate from England and there was one day where I think it was before what was it, the World Cup final? Was that it? England was playing in a big soccer game the last the two years. Euros. Yeah, and uh oh yeah, not World Cup final. And uh he w- the night before he was hyping up, "Oh yeah, I'm going to make an English breakfast tomorrow. You'll see. You'll see my culture." And then I wake up the next day and I just see like eggs. You know, like there was basically nothing unique about it except maybe beans. It was just like your standard breakfast like that you would get at a diner or something. Hopefully we didn't just piss off our entire UK uh, fan base. But. I mean, Johnny, if you're listening to this, get after Felix in Discord. <laughs> okay. Uh, people are bringing up Cuban food. Cuban food's delicious. Thai food's delicious. Korean food's delicious. Chinese food's delicious. Thai food? Sushi, Japanese food's delicious. Everything's great. Yeah. Jap- well, you don't even like sushi. I like sushi with shrimp. That's that's just barely sushi at that point. But still, pumpkin still. P- pumpkin pie is disgusting, per Johnny. Pumpkin is pie it? is delicious. Why are why are people not letting us end this show be, by still putting in bad takes? Uh, I'm, 
I'm being told, I'm being asked if I think ramen doesn't exist. Just because I brought up sushi doesn't mean I don't think ramen exists. Just, you know, erase, ramen erasing great. ramen culture. I went, I've been to Japan. I've been to Japan and I had ramen every day and loved it. And also, why, did, to, why does this feel like a fake story? <laughs> I have the pictures. I have um, the pictures to prove this, it. This, this feels like a made up story. I've, I've been to, I've, I've been, been to Japan. To, I've been to I, Japan. I, I, I had I went, ramen every day. I, I went in 2013, and I had ramen practically every day. And the downside of having ramen every day in Japan for two weeks is that it ruins ramen for you in the U.S. Because I'm not going to say every ramen place in the U.S. is bad, but it's close. It's very close. It might be like 90-10, bad to good. There's like here's Here's what I don't understand. Why are ramen places in the U.S. obsessed with making ramen not ramen? It's like, oh, how many weird toppings and ingredients can we add that you would never find in a ramen restaurant in, in Japan? How much can we ruin this? I just don't understand it. Let the, let the classic speak for itself. Less is more. Simplicity. Come on. And now I, just I, I've silence. Got, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Lou hates Wait. Chinese food. <laughs> How, how are we still going? It's an hour 37. I don't know. How are 53 of you still here? I'm surprised that we haven't lost like half There's been our... no significant drop off. Yeah, I'm that's, impressed. That's great. <laughs> Lou saying Chinese food isn't good. Has Lou ever had actually good Chinese food? I will say. I or just, to... is he just thinking all Chinese foods Panda Express? <laughs> I went to a Chinese wedding once, had food there, didn't love it. Didn't love it. Didn't enjoy seeing full-on birds just fried up on a plate. You don't like but, quail? Yeah, not a... The optic is just a little rough. I'm sorry. It's a little rough. Mm. Now I'm thinking about in when I went to Boston, there was a dim sum... Or a... Uh, what was it? Um, not dim sum. All that but, and dim sum? No, but... Uh, uh, whatever. It was fantastic. And we don't even know what you got. You just like I don't even know what you're saying. Soup dumplings. There we go. Like soup dumplings oh. and a um, scallion pancake. Just great. Fertilized duck eggs. Why are we? What are is we what is her chat going on about? Are, at you, this are point? we? Ta- are people talking about Filipino food now? Are people? I don't even know at this point. You you know you can get that. RJ, I mean, let's end with this. RJ Mateco said, "What does Terry's contract look like? Money in term? I'm going six times eight. Wow. There I have no, no idea. I, no okay, chance. No. Six no chance. times seven. I realize yeah. the six Let's times go, seven. What about five? Do you think it goes down to five? I think six. Yeah. Let's go six times 6.75. Okay. He'll right. be underpaid. He'll be underpaid. Let's get us out of here. What's your favorite meal to make for any kind of game? What do you think that means? I don't know. I don't know either. Probably for watching some sort of sport. Wings Lou, are always great. Pizza's Lou is good. saying for a game? Oh. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to mindlessly eat while watching sports and you don't want to clean silverware and, and dishes after, I think pizza is a good call. Even yeah. though pe- most pizza is bad. Yeah. Um, Lou was saying, someone asked us chicken wings or pizza. Pizza. Ooh, chicken wings. Pizza. Prioritize protein. Pizza. 
are, you are just determined not to stop. Okay, let's end this. Let's end this. I apologize for the questions we're going to get to. They're still trickling in, but Lou is just trashing Chinese food in our in our chat here. <laughs> okay, people are actually tuning out now, so we should we should tune out as well. Yeah. Thank you for listening, everyone. If you want to support our show, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash crash the pond. For a dollar a month, you get access to our patrons only Discord server. It's honestly the best, and especially in this day and age where Twitter could fall apart at any moment, and maybe you don't want to go on threads, maybe you don't want to go on blue, whatever, blue pie, I don't know what they call it. Um, then check out our server. You're not going to miss any news. You're going to get in-depth conversation, fun bits every single day. Just connect with some of the best people. That's for $1 a month. I guarantee that there are worse ways to spend a dollar a month. You can also subscribe for $5 a month and you get that plus two bonus podcasts where we go in-depth on broader topics, You know, talk about the rest of the league, the rest of the NHL. We also have more of this kind of conversation that we just had. There's also deals on our page, so you can get a whole year's worth for less than the actual monthly amount. So I think it's like 1080 for the year for uh, for Discord, and I think it's like 54 bucks for the um, for the bonus episodes for a year, something like that. So go check that out. You can also leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Just search Crash the Pond. We greatly appreciate those. Those go a long way. Find us on Spotify. We're also on YouTube. And also a little little question to the folks out there um you can respond to us on twitter uh, at reindeer games 91 for jake at felix underscore Sicard for me you can also find us at, at crash the pond let us know if you want us to start posting youtube shorts or clips because we've been thinking about that it's a little bit of work but maybe it could pay off so reach out to us if you think it'd be worth it or if you want to help maybe you are someone who's really good at video editing and you want to help us out with that we'd appreciate it but let us know Outside of that, check out thesportingtribune.com. I've got an article up there right now on Leo Carlson. I'm sure that actually I know Derek Lee, our good buddy, yes. who's been on the show, has a great article coming up. So don't miss anything there. And on that note, that will do it for us tonight, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.